Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. We want to welcome you as we continue uh, the survey of the book of Romans from an apologetic perspective, and we will endeavor to um, go through chapter 8. But from these first eight chapters, there are some fundamental things that we as Christians can uh, benefit from as it regards or relates to God's righteousness and uh, God's governance over our lives and God's grace. And so this book of Romans, as we indicated earlier, uh, was written to the church, a Gentile church and a Jewish church just in terms of creed, in terms of ethnicity, in terms of culture. Uh, They were a combination of churches, both Gentile and Jewish. But Paul is trying to convey to them that, in essence, there's really just one church. It's God's church, bought by the blood of the Lamb, or bought through the blood of the lamb. There is no white church. There's no black church. There's no Hispanic church. There's no Asian church. We use these terms, uh, most of us, to um, try to convey the ethnicity among the local church, but it's really a misnomer. In God's eyes, there is no black church no white church, no Jewish church, no Gentile church, no Asian church, no Hispanic church. It's just one church. And as a result, we don't have multiple Bibles. We don't have multiple uh, Gospels. There's one Gospel which has been uh, translated in multiple languages, but the principles are the same. So Paul is encouraging his audience And he talks about in chapter 2, verse 11, he says, For there is no partiality with God. This is the NASB version. There's no partiality with God, uh, meaning that God doesn't deal with me differently in terms of his principles than he would someone else. God doesn't tell one person uh, to forgive and then tell the other person not to forgive. That's not the God we serve. God can't be bought. Uh, There's nothing we have that God didn't give to us. So uh, how can we uh, try to influence him through uh, bargaining of something that God already owns? So we can't influence God. We can't influence by rhetoric. God gave us language. God gave us eloquence. So there's nothing we can do to persuade God to do something different than he already wants to do. So there's no partiality with God. If God wants to bless someone, it doesn't matter how upset you get. 
uh, it's his prerogative, and it's within his authority to bless that person he wants to bless. If God wants to deliver someone, it doesn't matter how angry you are, thinking that this person doesn't uh, deserve uh, the blessing, God is still going to do what he wants to do or uh, that this person doesn't deserve forgiveness. Uh, God uh, checks in with himself. God doesn't have to check in with no other person. God doesn't have to uh, check in with someone else. God doesn't have to check in with you if he wants to do something. So there's no partiality with God. And God put in place a plan. He put in place a plan of salvation uh, for our benefit. God didn't have to check in with us. God didn't check in with you to ask you what family did you want to be born into. God didn't check in with you to ask you how tall did you want to be. God didn't check in with you to ask you what eye color did you want to have. God didn't check in with you to ask you what hospital did you want to be uh, 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 born into. God didn't check in with you. Uh, and asked you, what family members do you want to have? God didn't have to check in with you uh, to uh, ask you, when do you want me to call you home? God is totally sovereign. And as a result, we have to learn to bend our wills, to uh, our will rather, W-I-L-L, to that of the Father. So God has no partiality. When God deals with us, it is totally um, in accordance to his loving nature. So we can trust God, even if we don't initially understand what he's doing or how he's doing it. We have to operate by faith and know that God loves us completely. And if he's asking for us to do something, it's for our total benefit. Now, I realize we have friends and family members that we entrust our life too, and we ask them questions about uh, this person. We ask them questions about this decision. We ask them questions about life in general. And these individuals give us the best advice they can give because they love us. Well, God's love is better than that. God's love is based on his knowledge of the yesterday, today, and the future. When human beings give you advice. They're giving you advice based on probabilities. But when God gives us uh, instructions, his his instructions are based on uh, certainty, not probabilities. It's based on certainty. Oftentimes, um, because of my uh, calling, I've been in spaces where people uh, have uh, count, uh, come to me for uh, consultation, for spiritual guidance, and uh, I've shared what I could share with them rooted in the scripture based on what they're telling me. And in some cases, I've come to find out what these individuals have told me is not totally the full story. They told me what they wanted me to hear. And as a result, I can only respond based on the knowledge that I have, which was given to me, and my uh, finitude, and my mortality, and my ability 
to uh, apprehend what they're saying and to share what I could share based on the word of God. But when God deals with us and we go to him for reasoning, we, we go to him for direction, we go to him for inspiration, we go to him uh, for edification, God is dealing with us from his divinity. God sees the future. God sees all of the acts that were committed prior to you talking to him. So when God deals with us, he's got the total picture. So when he's dealing with us, there's no partiality. He's dealing with us because he's well-informed. And he has our best interest at heart. So the church, the New Testament church, needed to learn that in God, color is not an essential part of salvation. There's no racism in God's church. That the, the, the color is, is a blessing from God, that we're all not the same in terms of our hue. So we thank God for the flavors, for the different skin tones. But outside of that, that's not what God is judging us on. That's not what God is, is emphasizing. He's, God is emphasizing what's inside. And God is dealing with our righteousness. So uh, as we look at chapter 2, we learn that God is painting a picture of a church with different flavors. God wants to use the uniqueness he gave us to build his kingdom. Again, Paul uh, is arguing that being a Jew by race doesn't automatically make you righteous. Practicing the law as interpreted by the Jewish leaders at that time wasn't going to justify them. You have some uh, Jewish leaders who who preached and they taught that if you follow the law, which even they couldn't follow all the way, if you follow the systems of the law, uh, you going through those acts automatically made you right with God. And Paul is saying that interpretation of uh, righteousness, righteousness, that interpretation of uh, being uh, at peace with God is not correct. That doesn't justify you just because you're engaged in religiosity. There's some people listening to me right now who need to hear this doctrine. Just because you go to church every Sunday, just because you go to church uh, for Bible study and you never miss a Bible study, just because you work in a church's food pantry, all of those things are good works. But if your heart has not been circumcised, you're not justified in in the eyes of God. You can be at the church building seven days out of the week, but if your heart hasn't been circumcised, then God doesn't know you. Good works outside of uh, of a converted heart won't make you justified. Amen. So Paul Paul is painting this picture 
comparing and contrasting those who live by the two laws. The law of grace versus the law of works. The law of grace is what we as Christians um, ought to operate out of the law of grace uh, and, and the law of works basically is the teaching of those uh, Jews uh, who were professing that if you uh, if you did, didn't do this, if you do, didn't do that, if you didn't check off this, if you didn't check off that, then you wouldn't be righteous. And what the scriptures are telling us, including Paul's letters and including uh, the, the letters of uh, 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 the work of James, is that we do not work to get saved, but yet we work because we are saved. Let me say it again. We do not work to get saved, but yet we work because we are saved. And we find this especially highlighted in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. So let us remember that. Uh, Paul is comparing in chapter 2 the law of grace versus the law of works. Look what Jesus says in Matthew 15, verses 8 and 9. He said, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. But their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. So just because individuals are eloquent, just because in- individuals lift up hands during the uh, church service, just because someone looks pious, just because someone dress in a religious way uh, which catches our eyes, doesn't necessarily mean that person knows Christ. It does mean that person could know Jesus, but only God knows a man or woman's heart. So just judging someone by the outside is not a good way to assess whether or not that person knows Jesus. So we need to make sure that we are in good standings with Christ, that we know the authentic Christ, that we know the Jesus of the scriptures. We need to make sure that our relationship is where it needs to be in the eyes of God, not uh, religiosity based on what man has conjured up, but do we know Jesus for ourselves? Are we listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit? And if we're doing those things, then we are on the right track. That means that uh, God has influence over our lives. And that means that we are willing to pattern our conduct after holy living, which ultimately brings us to peace that surpasses all understanding. Amen. So Paul, again, is comparing and contrasting uh, Jewish attitudes versus what God wants. So from the Jewish attitude perspective, one who believes they are God to the blind. Paul responds, yet they are also blind. From the Jewish perspective, a light to those who are in darkness. Paul says, yet you are in darkness. From the Jewish perspective, a teacher to the foolish. Paul tells in response, yet you are foolish. Foolish. 
from the Jewish perspective, a teacher to babes, but yet uh, Paul responds, uh, yet take advantage of babes. You take advantage of babes. That, that's Paul's response. Uh, the Jewish leaders claim to be knowledgeable and truthful. And Paul says, but yet you are teaching and spreading falsehood, John uh, 8, 44 through 45. Uh, this is John's response to the Jewish attitude. And then uh, from the Jews' pr- perspective, they claim to not have committed adultery. But in Matthew, but they did commit adultery in their heart, Matthew 5, 27 through 30. Uh, the Jewish say, the Jewish leader said they abhor idols, but yet some robbed temples uh, of the people uh, and of their obedience to God. They uh, created themselves as idols, some religious leaders, especially during the time of Jesus. Uh, they had people in a sense, worshiping them, even though they claim to abhor idols. Then some uh, from the Jewish paradigm boast in the law. If you follow the law since birth, if you did this because of the law, if you perform these acts, that made you more holy than other people. But yet, from Paul's vantage point, uh, he would argue that they dishonored God by breaking his laws. Same words, but the way they interpreted God's words uh, was not what God intended. God set aside, as an example, a day of Sabbath. But for the Jew, it got so extreme that you couldn't even do righteous works during the Sabbath because they considered it work. So it wasn't necessarily the words that God had an issue with, but it was the practice of those words. It was the way that uh, the religious leaders were interpreting his laws, his precepts. They were saying the same things, but the content was different. And that's what Jesus was uh, uh, preaching about and teaching about. This is why uh, uh, Jesus was constantly uh, citing the Old Testament. And he said, He didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law, which is to make it plain, which which is to uh, interpret it the way that he and the father originally wanted it to be interpreted. But the religious leaders during that time, uh, the way they were teaching God's words, they had hijacked the true intent of what God wanted the people to hear. And then uh, this contemporary life that we live in, we see it all the time. We see uh, individuals um, that uh, claim to be messengers of God uh, spewing rhetoric uh, that's contrary to the real teaching that God wants us to have. And some of these people are eloquent. Some of these people are very impressive in terms um, of their works. Uh, some of these people have been elevated uh, in our society. Uh, some of them are on television. Some are not. But again, just because someone is uh, reciting words that may sound uh, familiar to you through the scriptures doesn't mean necessarily 
what they're saying is sound or healthy. We need to test the spirit by the spirit to make sure that it's of God. So Paul was reminding us that some erroneously believe that being a Jew uh, by race and by culture automatically fulfill uh, their religious uh, decrees and made them better than the Gentiles. Paul refused this theology and philosophy. He argues that Gentiles, as well as Jews, without heart circumcision, are in the same condition. Chapter 2 of Romans, verses 17 through 29. So as it relates to um, judgment, uh, the late F.F. Brutes wrote the following. He says, when dividing judgment comes, when divine, I'm sorry, when divine judgment comes, it will be absolutely impartial. God will render to every man according to his work. While for Paul, forgiveness and eternal life are, are utterly of God's grace, divine judgment, as in the Bible, is always passed in accordance with what men and women have done. So God is a just God. Uh, that, that, that was F.F. Bruce. In short, God is a fair God. He extends an opportunity to all men and women, regardless of their heritage. God is only interested in the conversion of the heart through Jesus. It is the issue of the heart that impresses God, verses 12 through 16, uh, not necessarily uh, the rhetoric. Uh, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life, Proverbs 4 and 23. So again, God is very interested in your heart because out of the heart flows the issues of life. We can fool people through what we say and how we carry ourselves in public, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you know God. Uh, Many people have been deceived by individuals with seminary degrees and individuals with uh, fine, soothing words, uh, individuals with charisma. But we can't base our uh, Christian walk on just what we see. We walk by faith, and we all have to be responsible for us. I can't carry your cross, and you cannot carry my cross. We all have our own cross to carry. So this comparison of the law of grace versus the law of works is something that Paul uh, was trying to convey to his audience. Just like with us today, we have to be careful that our righteousness is based on the criteria that God has set, not what our community or local churches have set up necessarily. Uh, Everything needs to be filtered by the word of God. Well, our time has again come to a close as we go through uh, a survey of the book of Romans, uh, we encourage you to go on our website, srministries.org, and listen to the previous episodes if you didn't catch it. And as always, thank you for your prayers, and we uh, need your support. So if you uh, like or if the Lord touches your heart to support this show, please go to srministries.org, or you can uh, make a check out to Sound Reasoning Ministries and send it to P.O. Box 582-306, Elk Grove, California, 95758. And remember to do for the truth what so many people do for a lie. 
Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast, to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life. Join me on the Encourager as we challenge the chaos and embrace harmony. Together, we'll create practical systems to balance your roles and fulfill priorities. And we will do it while having joy and energy for both home and work life. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once. 